You're listening to the Carterville Church Life Podcast. I love our church family, and I hope that you do too. Our goal is that the episodes of this podcast would keep us connected and focused while we're scattered for our week on missions together. I hope that you're blessed by what you hear today. Hey, welcome back. So in January, we talked about the scripture, about reading our Bibles well. And last Sunday, Brick preached about the scripture in part of our Nine Ways Discipleship series. Well, we're using these podcasts to wrap up a few earlier podcasts from 441 to 445, those early episodes, to just give you some practical tools on how to read your Bible better. So in today's podcast, you're going to get the second half of a conversation that I had with Jeremy Stroh, our college and missions pastor, about using an awareness of genre. What category of scripture are you reading to read your Bible better? So I hope you enjoy the conclusion to this conversation. Thanks for tuning in today and may God bless us as we dive into the word. So let's talk about the prophets. Here we go. What about prophets? Like if I'm going to, because I mean, 17 books of the Bible are prophets, right? The last 17 books of the Old Testament is prophets. Uh, And a lot of people are scared out of their mind to read the prophets because they just sort of think, hey, there's no way I can understand that. What is this? This is not my world. That's not true, by the way. It's not. So short, easy help. This is just a quick first step. Prophets typically have a cycle. They'll bring up the, they are covenant watchdogs is a pretty popular phrase. They are the Old Testament law enforcers. So they're like the preachers who are saying, look, you had Matthew, Mark, Luke, I mean, I'm sorry, I'm in the New Testament. You're good. <laughs> you had Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. God gave us the covenant. We know what it looks like. Mm-hmm. We're breaking it, and they're they're preaching and telling the nation, yep. you got to get back to this. Yeah, they're like preachers, like lawyers. I like they're that covenant up. watchdog business, though. Yep. Yeah, so uh, that's Bible Project stuff. Bible Project has some great videos. So if you go to BibleProject.com. Love them. They have some great videos on genre, specifically. Okay. So there you go. But prophets, real short, um, they're going to bring up the covenant, the Old Testament law. And they're going to say, we made a promise to God to keep it, to do this. Yeah. And then they'll say, this is where we're neglecting it. So you get the covenant, you get the promise you made, you get the covenant you've broken. Uh, like, this is what you've done wrong. And then there's this call to repent and to change. And then there's this promise that if you will, God will bless you. Yeah. And if you don't, God will curse Bad you. Bad things are going to happen, yeah. And, and most of those blessings and cursings aren't new. Most everything you'll find in the prophets if you'll take time in Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, you'll see those laws and those promises back there. Yeah, and it's, it's just a prophet's reminding a people in a particular moment, yeah. this is the law, this is the promise we made. One thing I found too, Jeremy, when I started reading the prophets for myself, yeah. and, you know, probably the first time I read through them, I just assumed I couldn't understand them and I just kind of read out of obedience and yeah. I didn't get, I'm disappointed about that, but... Now, when I read the prophets, um, I don't have that same mindset. And it turns out you can understand most everything without having to refer to some special help, you know, to Mm -hmm. some commentary or call your preacher or whatever, because a lot of these sermons they're preaching make tons of sense. You know, some of it is talking about distant future, but the great majority of the prophets contains writings that was basically sermons preached to people in a way that makes tons of sense. I'll give you, for example... Church family, read Isaiah 58. And then, like, mm-hmm. is there anything in Isaiah 58, you know, that we can't easily look up and go, oh, wow, now I know what God's frustrated about with them. I don't know what they should do. It's not hard. Mm-hmm. So um, that leaves us really with epistles and apocalyptic, right? Yeah. So why don't we tackle those uh, kind of quickly? So Okay, I'll take epistles. You take apocalyptic. Yeah, sure. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, so the letters, uh, a, couple, a couple of things that are really useful there. Know this, letters weren't written to me or to you. 
They're not for us. Okay. Now, we can benefit from them like crazy. Yeah. But if I wrote Robin a letter, right, and was encouraging her in her faith, you might could grow from it. But there are going to be some details in there that just really aren't for you. Yeah, sure. Um, they're a little bit different. And so it's it's possible to misapply some things in the letters. Because they're specific. Those yeah. letters are specific, right? Super specific. So that said, read the letters. Enjoy them. But one real helpful moment in your stories, if you can go, okay, who is this to? And what was their world like? Maybe you can read about Paul's time in Acts with the Galatians or with the people at Ephesus. Maybe that brings a little bit of light to the story. Yeah, okay. Um, but the idea is letters are written to a specific people at a specific time. And if you get lost sometimes, it may be because there's an application or a situation that you're yeah. not aware of. So it makes sense that if the letters are specific, we need to kind of first do a little bit of thinking mm. to figure out what that specific setting was. Yep. And then all of a sudden, the letter makes tons of sense. It makes a lot more sense. And that said, a lot of times you can find that in the letter if you go slow. Yeah, that's true. If you just take your time. You're right. If you Paul says, I'm a prisoner it. for the gospel or I'm in chains, yeah. you can pretty well infer that you're in a prison letter. Yeah. And what you'll find is if he's he's dealing with maybe some sexual misconduct, like in, in, in Corinth, in Corinth yeah. with Corinthians, you'll see that show up in a few different places throughout the letter. Gotcha. And you'll be able to go, oh, he's still, he's still trying to straighten this right. up. Or in Galatians, when he talks about Judaizers, a lot of that whole letter has the thread of... There are some folks who are trying to make us keep laws yeah. that can't save us right. uh, in a way that won't save us. Got it. Yeah. Well, and to be specific, you know, these letters made it into the canon, into the New Testament of our scripture. So we believe they were God inspired. We believe they're authoritative over our lives. Mm -hmm. We believe that God was speaking. But if you want to know what God was saying and not twist his words, yeah. step one, figure out what Paul meant, figure out what Peter meant. Like, let's yep. get down to the good word. So, um, uh, the last one is apocalyptic. Revelation is the best known mm -hmm. apocalyptic work. It's also the you know the latest of the ones that were written, and so it's kind of really reflects what we think of as like this genre of apocalyptic. It's almost like it's a mix between uh, some kind of specific preaching and prophecy. Some of it is futuristic, and the thing is, we don't know how much of it is futuristic, as in like way future, but all of it was future from when John was speaking. You know, a mm -hmm. lot of people talk about how. A great deal of the book of Revelation spoke directly about what was happening at the end of the first century um, for, for believers who were persecuted in Rome. But nonetheless, what John was telling them that God would do, let them see that he is working on their behalf in the future. A couple of elements of apocalyptic that, um, that are fun to me, that are neat. Number one, it is full, full of vivid imagery. I mean, the most brilliant images, you know, the beast, right? Or bowls of wrath, you know, tremendous earthquakes, visions into heaven, right? So apocalyptic genre is going to be full of powerful imagery, which makes it, number one, memorable and really wonderful. It also kind of lets it be coded speech so that in its day, it wasn't, you know, quite as... Uh, I don't know, the, the authors and readers of those texts might could get away with what they said. But the other thing that it can do is, as interpreters, it gives a lot of room for the imagination, which sometimes if you don't tether that to biblical interpretation principles, man, your imagination can run wild. And that's why people can pin things from Revelation to almost everything under the sun, right? So those vivid images is one thing. Another thing that's common in apocalyptic genre is you, you normally get these two, you get two um, you get a, a vision of two different worlds, right? One is the world down here where evil seems to be winning, where people are persecuted and righteous people are hurting. Um, and that's certainly true, right, in Revelation. Um, but the other vision you get 
is normally the author of an apocalyptic writing, is given by God a vision of the throne room of heaven, a chance to see the world from God's perspective. And the reason that creates a lot of hope is it shows this visionary that God sees what's happening, knows his people, and plans to respond, Mm -hmm. that he will bring the world to justice. In Revelation, it's clear that he brings the world to justice through Jesus, through the resurrection of Christ Jesus and the judgment that will come. So as you read Revelation, um, like don't be afraid of the imagers. Lean into them and love them. Also, don't let your imagination run wild. Like try to understand what the scripture was teaching. Don't miss the two images. Like don't don't miss the the heaven and earth platform, um, and this just powerful prophetic preaching. What can you add to that, Stro? Yeah. So one thing that I would just remember always when I'm dealing with apocalyptic literature is the author had a big point. Yep. And used a lot of metaphors, a lot of imagery, yep. and visuals to get us there. Yep. Revelation is a good place when you read the first chapter of Revelation. Yeah. Like he's real clear, this is the point of the letter. Let me tell you what I'm doing. This is what I'm doing. And if you let wild pictures of a beast, right, or four horsemen take over, yeah. You're missing it. Sadly, I I I think I have experienced, you know, situations where I felt like brothers and sisters of the faith were more interested in interpreting the Antichrist or something than they were in the overall message of God's victory through Revelation. I'm super interested in the in, in the images and the symbolism, mm-hmm. but the main thing is, man, we got to keep the main thing, the, the main, main thing. thing. And yeah. in apocalyptic, it is easy, as people say it this way, and I like it. It's easy to miss the forest for the trees. Yeah. You know, if you just get caught up in the images. Almost anybody could read Revelation this afternoon and understand the main thing. Mm-hmm. Start there. Don't miss that. Yeah. And I, if you're not careful, you grab three verses yeah. and say something massive that yeah. you don't find anywhere else in Scripture. Right just, just try not to do that. Good word. Hey, Stro, thanks for walking through uh, genres of the Scripture with me, man. It's been my pleasure. I'm glad to have you. I really appreciate um, just your care for the text and church family. You know, we're reading through the nine ways. Brick just preached about Scripture. January, we preached about Scripture. As you dive into your Bible this year, be attentive to which genre you're reading. Interpret it well and grow as a believer when you encounter God with your Bible. Thanks for tuning in today.